Welcome in to Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will Dundon here with you, along with Seth Coggin. We got a ton of football to talk with y'all. Really bad weekend for the Pater team, I guess, when you think about oh, it. Terrible. But, but man, it was a wild big, it was loaded, just a loaded weekend, tons of games, tons of stuff going on in the playoff picture, tons of stuff going on in the NFL. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to start, honestly. There's a couple things I want to talk about in college football, along with you know, big games as well as coaching rumors going around. But let's we'll kick it off with I mean the game of the week. We'll kick it off with Vols and Bulldogs. Yeah, all, all we really got to say is that if the Vols went out against uh, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina, then they're probably more likely than not going to the college football playoff. And you know what? We're in a dang good place to be, boys. Yep. Took a took a tough L on the, on the dome there in Athens. Um, but that was, to be honest, as... A little bit. I'm an outsider and an insider on the Vols. It it was kind of coming. Like it, you hate to say that with like, but it was kind of coming, especially after the Vols took over that number one ranking. Over like, and that's almost like, it's awesome, and you, you have to just enjoy that and eat that up and just live it out while you're number one. But at the same time, part of me was kind of like, you know, Is Georgia. It, it kind of imposter syndrome. Like, yeah, how do you add fuel to the Georgia fire by disrespecting the the past national champion who is currently undefeated and has, I mean, a, just a stud, you know, loaded roster um, playing at home. Their fans even were getting trashed all week. Like, literally, it was personal. It was personal to, like, everyone in that stadium. Uh, and they came out and they played a good game and they uh, – you know, they took it to them from the jump, but, uh, but to be honest, it didn't seem like there's, yeah, I mean, they beat them pretty good, but in my, you know, from just viewing it to myself, it didn't seem, there are two different kinds of like, you know, beat this downs. wasn't even really a blowout. Yeah. There are beat downs where it's like, you know what? Yeah. We, we, we got it handed to us today, but that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, if those two teams lined up again, especially on a neutral side, I, I don't see anything to make me think, Tennessee could not win that game. Um, you know, they probably wouldn't be favored again, but I don't, I, I certainly think they could line up and, you know, if things go a little bit better for them, uh, they're a little more, you know, prepared. They've seen them now. I mean, I think it's a great advantage to have seen them now. Um, so, you know, tough one. And I'll let you go into a little more deeper on the X's and O's of kind of that loss. But, uh, but just from my perspective on it, I think tough, tough loss, but, really doesn't put you anywhere you don't need to be. I mean, things fell in all in all this weekend was about perfect for Tennessee. Yep. I mean, yes, besides the the L, I mean, things really went pretty dang well for Tennessee. And let's be honest, winning an SEC championship would be sweet, but the opportunity to win the national championship is even better. And if you can avoid that SEC championship game, avoid a possible possibility for injury, avoid a possible L that could potentially knock you out of something, you know, 
rest up that week and get ready to go while other two other teams battle it out in Atlanta, that might not be the worst thing. It might not be the worst thing. Um, so yeah, you want to win that game. Obviously you go into it game of the game of the year. Like they come out way with that win. And it's just like the train is off the tracks at that point. Like you have no, I like that's just unheard of territory for, for the Vol nation, but you know, still just in perfect striking distance, ready to pounce, you know, recoil, you know, sometimes those losses, this is a great time of year to lose. I hate losing, but it's a great time of year to lose because perfect, you're already perfect time to lose. It's the, no, it really is because now no, you still right. have several games to get that kind of train rolling again. You know, you still have some opponents that you should some, like to some tune up games. Honestly, yeah. that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're good teams that you should handle pretty well um, that you can kind of build that steam back uh, and then get rocking and rolling for the playoff. I mean, one loss versus the best team in the country on the road you know, in their house, you know, take it, take it as it comes. Um, I mean, but be, lots, I mean, honestly, lots, best, lots to play best loss you can get yeah. is no, yeah. is the best team in the, they're going to be number one now, you know, losing to who will be number one at the end of the year. Uh, when you're talking about the actual playoff. Yeah. Losing to them at their place. And on, that's the thing on paper, it doesn't look bad. I, Watching this game, there's I have a lot to say kind of about this game. So we you mentioned it a little bit, Seth. You know, there's Tennessee is good enough. You didn't necessarily see anything where you were like, there's no way Tennessee could ever beat this team. Now, on Saturday, Georgia was better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, honestly, I will say like I can say that Georgia is a better football team than Tennessee. Now, when I say that though, there's also potential there. Like I think if Tennessee and Georgia played 10 times. I think Tennessee could maybe win three times, you know, like Georgia is better, but there, there are situations where especially, yeah, I got rainy. Like I, I, I hate the whole, when people say, Oh, well we played bad. Yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee did play bad on their own part, but also a lot of it was because of Georgia. However, I also think Tennessee shot themselves in the foot a couple times. Hinton Hooker missed a couple deep balls. That was the big one, right? Hinton Hooker missed deep balls. Usually, you know, you haven't seen that a lot this year. Um, now, I will say this Georgia, I mean, they were covering Tennessee's receivers. Their front seven got after Hooker, but there were also some coverage sacks in there where, I mean, he just had nowhere to go with the ball. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Tennessee's going to come back and they're definitely going to beat Georgia. But, I still think they can. Now, my thought process going into this game, I thought there was a real possibility that Tennessee beat them by a couple touchdowns. Seriously, just from the offensive firepower I've seen all year, in my mind, Tennessee had the best offense in the country. And maybe they still do. Maybe Georgia's defense is that good. But we also said this. Everything fell into place for Tennessee. Clemson got smacked. There, there's no they're way. Gone. AC, there's yeah, no way gone. an ACC team gets in as long as. What's Tennessee their best is. win? What's their best win of the year? Syracuse uh, at home. Yeah, I mean, may, like North Carolina. Uh, I was going to say Wake Forest, but Wake Forest isn't really a good win anymore. They got killed. Uh, they don't is, have. They don't have one. Like, is is North Carolina in? Like, will they play each other? Or would they play each other in the? I don't, I don't think or... so. Not until the championship, maybe. But even that, I mean, 
you can't, and that's my thing. Like North Carolina could beat Clemson. I don't, I don't know if they will, but there's no way after what I've seen from North Carolina, you could not put them in. They gave up 42 no. points in a quarter to App State. No, they struggle dude, with Georgia gone. State. Yeah, Clemson's gone. Clemson and UNC. I just don't see an ACC team they getting got, in if there's that many spots. They, they didn't just lose. They got smacked around. Like they didn't just. There are different types of losses. Like losses happen sometimes, you know, on the road in college football. Anyone, any, anyone can lose any shoot. I watched anyone can lose at home, (laughs) but, uh, but there are different kinds of losses and getting absolutely smacked around to a improving, but still pretty, you know, nothing substantially like great Notre Dame team. Um, And so just not a loss you can come back with given their schedule, um, given the fact that there's going to be other one loss teams, like there's going to be three or four one loss teams above that. Cl- I mean, maybe not three or four, but there's at least enough. Pro- probably three or four. Cause think yeah. about it. You're going to have Michigan or Ohio state. That's going to, one of those teams is going to have one loss. Right. Yeah. And I would have to imagine if they have one loss, they're going to be like, it, it, they're yeah. one maybe loss. Maybe ahead of Clemson. To- their yeah, one loss will be to either Ohio State or Michigan. That looks a lot better than Clemson's. That, that's where you're sitting in the Big Ten. Yeah. You're sit the Big Ten pretty much. I mean, unless something really crazy happens. And and honestly, you've kind of known it all year, but you kind of held out that maybe, you know, something crazy could happen. But that's what it looks like is the fact that it's going to be Michigan and Ohio State for the champ for essentially the championship, even though they'll have to play the championship um against whoever makes it out of the West. Um, and they'll 30 know, piece them probably. And one of them's going to win and go undefeated. One of them's going to sit there at one loss and still be a really good football team that is ahead of Clemson. <laughs> and then you got now the SEC is, is looking like, you know, Tennessee's got work to do. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's not Agreed. just ride them across. But if things go as planned, they're, they're going to be double digit favorites in everything that they play and maybe even a little, you know, like high double digit favorites, really. Um, in most everything that they play. So if they win, take care of what they need to take care of. Even they don't even have to win impressive at this point. They've had impressive wins. You know, they just need to win at this point. Yeah. And finish finish up there at 11 and one, sit out the SEC. You know, they're ahead of Clemson by far. I mean, it's not even close. Oregon, if they won out, they'd be ahead of Clemson. Um, you know, obviously. And, and I would position. have to imagine Tennessee would be ahead of Oregon. I, I, I would think so. I, I would have to think so just because – uh, you know, they do have the same head to head opponent. And I don't, I know it's week one, but I don't care. Like at some point you got to count the game. There's only 12 games. You have to count. Well, and when it's, it's 49 to three, like there yeah, is no, a, di- it, like if it was, I mean, honestly, if it was 49, 24, like maybe yeah. you start making an argument, but 49 to three, it's hard to really make an argument for that. You yeah, belong they might, in the same field as that caliber of team. They might play again and it might be 49 to 21. Like, yeah, it might be a little closer, but it seems, yeah, those kind of differences that that gap does not get closed uh, <laughs> even over the course of a season. Um, so, but I'd still put them out of Clemson. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, you're still looking at, look, TCU ain't, ain't lost yet. Um, so we're still looking at a, you know, undefeated big 12 team. Now they're underdogs this week on the road and they'll still have to win the championship uh, and survive all that. But, now, if they lost, they probably would slip, I guess, a little bit. But, uh, but yeah. Now, the thing you don't have to worry about, and this is kind of the other biggest game in the SEC this weekend. Um, you know, people kind of penciled in Alabama as a one-loss team, as a potential to be a one-loss team, or at least winning the SC West and having a shot in the championship game. Because even after they lost to Tennessee, it was like, well, 
you know, if they went out and win that seed championship game, they're still in. Um, and they, they would have been. Um, but you go, it's tough to win in Death Valley at night. It's tough to win in Death Valley at night. Not many have done it. Um, which, A, there's two things, two points there. Tennessee's absolute demolition of LSU on the road looks really good. Looks really, really good. And yeah. also, um, LSU, I mean, just LSU as a team uh, has just, you know, improved leaps and bounds. Well, the, um, and they control their own destiny. I don't think, I think pretty much everyone's kind of counting them out, but LSU is in position right now where they, if yeah. they won out, they would also be in the playoff. Yeah. But well, again, I, like, LSU, I LSU ain't making it past this weekend. Uh, I'm serious. Against like, the Hogs? I, Nostradamus. I, I don't like, a hangover. I have a feeling. I have a feeling in my heart, uh, and it's. I've had a lot of feelings in my life based on just absolute lunacy, insanity, just grasping at strings. But I've watched too much college football to not know the exact script of how this is going to play out. I don't disagree with you, honestly. Just because uh, LSU is not, yeah, they can beat Alabama. Obviously, we saw that, but they're no, they're not elite yet. No. They're not. And they had a great game plan. They had a great, like, it's it's so hard to get so up for that game. And they did because, and they should have. That, that's not taking anything away from LSU. Like, go win that game. Go ball out and play your A game of the season. You know, there is no way there's not a hangover effect. Now, they still might come out and beat Arkansas. Arkansas is not a great team. We're not even, we're, we're in an oak, we're, I would still actually say Arkansas is a good team that's had some bad circumstances and that we're mediocre to good team. And that's, that's putting it pretty decent. Um, but you know, you bounce back Our, Arkansas, terrible, terrible, terrible loss, just brutal, embarrassing Liberty off the bye week came in and just knocked us around. They shocked us for two quarters and then we were too far behind against a pretty good team to come back. We shut them out in the second half and made a violent comeback uh, and failed a two-point conversion to uh, to lose the game. You know, it is what it is. LSU made a two-point conversion to win their game. You know, if they miss that, you know, they, they still lose. Even if they have a great game against Bama, they still lose, come up short. Um, so, you know, when they say football is a game of inches, it really is a game of inches. Um, you know, Arkansas drops – and this stuff could happen to anybody. It happened to Arkansas last week, but Arkansas's tight end drops a pass wide open in his arms that gets bobbled up and turns into an interception, a touchdown pass. Like, you know, these things happen and change games. They change games intensely. Um, and, you know, that could happen. Tennessee plays Georgia next time, and who knows? Second play of the game, the, the tight end tips a pass, and Tennessee returns it for a touchdown like Crazy things happen in football all the time. And I've just seen the chaos happen enough. I've seen the chaos happen enough that when you put the right factors together, oh, LSU players, I don't care what Brian Kelly says. LSU players say, oh, Arkansas lost to Liberty last week. We beat Bama. Oh, you know what we did last week? We beat Bama last week. What did they do? They lost to Liberty. We're in first place. This is easy. Like If they think they're going to get an easy game coming in here, is it at Arkansas? Oh, it's at Arkansas at 11 a.m. That is the perfect is, recipe for a recipe. hangover game. It is the recipe, bro. Because we're here. We were at home last week. We're going to be at home again. 
you know, and you know, there's pride. Like our offensive line for the first, we had, okay. We had the highest graded offensive line, uh, you know, pro football focus or whatever, yeah. which I don't always, I think it's a little funky, but still that's a testament. Like uh, they're doing at least something pretty good, you know, great rushing attack. And they just got, they got humiliated versus Liberty. Now I know LSU is a better defensive line, but I've watched them play plenty good against Bama. I've watched us rush for plenty of yards against AM. You know, I've watched us rush for plenty of yards, pretty much dominate everyone on the like I know that they will have a bounce back game. Um, and I just think it's it's the recipe, man. It's the recipe. They're mixing it up. It's an eleven AM home game. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like some of our listeners have to be rolling their eyes a little bit because there is some bias here, right? But if oh, you are huge if you're bias. well, let's if you're hey, a college let's be honest. football hey, fan though. The Vegas like, line is two points. Like it's not just my personal bias. Oh no, like, LSU is yeah. not like a huge favorite. Like it's it's out there. No, yeah. I mean, if you're a college football fan, we I mean, we just said it, but I'm gonna repeat it. You beat a top team. You're feeling on top of the world. You're in first place. You start thinking, oh, we have playoff aspirations. We're going to play Arkansas. They're not any good. They just lost to Liberty. We're going to go in there. It's at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. games are weird no matter what. Oh, Nebraska almost beat Ohio State at 11 a.m. last year. You know, I mean, you, you yeah. see it every Northwestern year. Northwestern like, almost beat Ohio State at 11 a.m. this year. And usually good teams don't have to play at 11 a.m. You know, that's that's the other part of that. They're not used to it and it's especially that it's on the road at 11 a.m. you're already kind of out of your out of your normal routine and then you got to get up early, get ready and go roll out there and play Arkansas. This is kind of a weird game. Like what is it, you know, right after we we're riding the high. Yeah. It's there's a recipe there. It's no that is that's the thing. It may not happen. But the recipe is there. Like yeah. the fact, the factors do line up for a you know a Razorback victory because all it takes is let's just like Liberty did to us last week. Let's stun them for a quarter and a half. Like let's come, you know, if they roll off the bus, roll roll into the stadium, no, you know, no serious fire. They think okay, we can wake up and play whenever we want. Like if you get knocked back for a quarter and a half, you're down seventeen points. Like shoot. <laughs> like we're in a uh, we're in a dog fight now and i mean i know our offense can score with just about anybody so um i'm just saying the recipe's there for a big win and that would shake up the sc west i mean the, the west is still wide open if your name is bam ellis you're old miss i guess mm-hmm. other than that it's it's pretty closed for everybody but uh um yeah it, it should just a lot more fun football. November is really the best, you know, yeah. they, they remember November, right? They remember November and we still got a lot of memorable games, games to play. Um, it is kind of crazy to see Alabama just out of it this early in the season. We just think, hasn't, I mean, they, nah, are, they're but... out of it, bro. I mean, I guess, I mean, well, cause LSU. Yeah. I mean, LSU could lose this week and they're still in first place in the West. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. What, Wait, what's does Ole Miss yeah, only have one loss? Ole Miss only has one loss. Um, now they too come to Fayetteville, so I mean, <laughs> that's not a give me game. I, I mean, it's not. Um, and but they play Bama this week as well. Oh, and, okay, they, play, okay. and they play Mississippi State, so they still got three pretty tough ones. Um, yeah. left on the schedule. I would, um, be, yeah, I would be willing to say like LSU could lose this week and then went out and they'll be in the SEC championship. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. They had the tiebreaker over two lost Bama. So, um, yeah. yeah and pretty, two uh, lost Ole Miss as well. That was Ole Miss is to lose, yeah. like that scene in death in death Valley. And I actually was at a, um, 
at a bir- I was at a party, like a birthday party for um, my uh, girlfriend's dad. Uh, and we got home. I, I was kind of thinking I was just going to miss the game, but I kind of checked my phone while we were on the way home. And I was like, oh, shoot, like five minutes left. Like, perfect. Like, yeah, I missed, mo- like, you know, I missed most of the game, but who cares? Like, matter. Honestly, yeah. like, if it's not the Razorbacks, and this may be a bad admission on my part, but like, I'll watch a game and I'll happily sit there and enjoy it. But I live for crunch time. Like I live for the last six, eight minutes of the fourth quarter. And it's it's night in Death Valley. It had it had the true like you only get several of those a year where it's like true big game feel, big game atmosphere, you know, pumped up crowd like to the max. Like it doesn't get more pumped up than that. You know, you got the A announcers there. It's a night game or it's a 330 game that becomes a night game. Cause I like how it gets later in the year and those, you know, the afternoon games, they end in darkness. I like that. I actually, that's my favorite time when it is later in the year when it's like, yeah, this game, we tailgated all throughout the day in the daytime. We kicked off in afternoon, but we ended this game in darkness. Like, you know, when the lights come on and you get those blimp shots and Death Valley was looking nice. And just people were up and it was back and forth to the very end overtime and Brian Kelly. And I said it when they scored and I'm a huge proponent of it. I am a huge proponent of going for two. If you have the chance to win the game from two yards out and you have one play to win the game and it's in your hands, like we're not even taking this. If we lose, we lose, but it is in my hands right now. Like I love going for it. Um, I call the, I call the good play and good execution. Um, you're in your stadium. Like we got it now, you know, like, you know, yeah, we could live to play another overtime, but who knows? We could fumble the opening snap of the next, you know, possession. Like we have a chance it's to totally win in it your on control. this play. It is in our control. We have a chance to win it on this play. And, and you I have love the momentum. That. He seized it. Yeah, he seized it. Yeah. And you, yeah, you have all the momentum. So he seized that. And shout out to Brian Kelly, bro. I still am of the testament that he will not be a long-term coach there, but I, he has proven me uh, quite wrong um, that he would kind of flounder uh, he's much, immediately. Yeah, he's much more successful than I think either of us would have yeah. admitted before the season. I think we were both kind of around like seven and five, you know. Yeah, yeah I had them at very mediocre Yeah, um, is where I thought. And that was even more because of the kind of perceived talent level, but that's what you got to remember. It's still LSU, like – they're going to have more talent. Even on their off years, they're going to have more talent than anybody not named. Probably, I mean, they're going to be top three in talent in the SEC, like regardless of what's going yeah. on. Yeah. And like they somehow seem to have some bad years where like they truly get like disinterested. <laughs> like you'll see LSU teams that are truly like I've watched Arkansas play a few LSU teams where it's like, wow, they still have studs out there, but like. They're not like they truly are just disenfranchised. They're not even playing very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's happened a few times. And that's that's where you see coaches get fired. Um, but they're not they're not feeling like that right now. Um, so credit to them. Credit to Brian Kelly. Shout out. You know, we got to stand up. We got to tap our chest when we're wrong. Hey, that's on me. That's on me. That's on me right there. Um, but, you know, still not predicting, you know, Brian Kelly to seriously like go 15, 20 years at LSU. I think. I, th- I just think he won't do that. Um, I even said that. I think I said that fairly recently, though. I said I could even see him winning a natty and yeah, still not lasting more than five or six years. Um, so, you know. Well, I'm gonna, the last two coaches that won natties at LSU were fired. So, yeah. 
So <laughs> t- tough, dude. If you won a national championship in Arkansas, you would coach until you were six feet under um, at this point. And so, I mean, Pittman won eight games and some people are ready to just keep him around. Actually, that's not true because people are pretty hot at him right now for the yeah. first time. This is the first time in his tenure. And it'll be interesting to see my, my kind of my family and we're talking about this is like this is the first time he's actually faced like true dissension in the fans like where the fa- like you actually have people like okay is he like should we are we ready to move on not not really like not the real sane fans are like not really sane, do we, it was, it's like do we need to be skeptical though yeah do we need yeah it, that is where it is and even i'm kind of there like do we need to be a little more concerned you know um because i think they've kind of you know razorbacks have kind of squandered a pretty good opportunity for a good year where the west is kind of wide open to try and make something serious happen yeah bam is as beatable as they're gonna be you know yeah i mean and that's really what it comes down to like you have good teams in lsu and Ole miss but when when bama is gonna lose two games in the regular season you're thinking okay this is our shot yeah yeah so anyway uh, just a fun time to uh, that happens. That's just the life it, it, that can either go two ways. A, a lot of coaches face that. Um, now's the time to either correct it. You know, they still have three big games and that are all fairly winnable um, at home um, to try and kind of correct that and even turn the season into it. Dude, if they win two out of the last three, either beat LSU or Ole Miss at home and then beat Missouri on the road and go seven and five and win a bowl game. Like no one's going to be too upset. Like That's we've been, solid. we've been through hell. Like, yeah, it's not exactly what we wanted, but you know what? Who cares? Like we still won our share of football games in the fall. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're at the point right now. Yeah. Especially if you finish strong and just, yeah. if you end on a high note, that means so much. Yeah. Uh, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be so much better than starting, uh, six and two or something and then going seven and five or then going yeah. even if you yeah. go eight and four after starting six and two like it still kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouths yeah. so i mean there's there's we were three and four at one point yeah and like it was like oh well this sucks no we were two and three i guess um and so now we're five and you know five and four and that's kind of where most of college football world lives like that it we love looking up because that's who gets all the pub is the teams that go, you know, 11 and one, 10 and two undefeated win the West, win the East, whatever. But like most of college football world lives in that five and seven to eight and four range. Like mm-hmm. most teams, most years live somewhere in that range. So, I mean, you know, as long as you win a few good ones, like we beat Auburn finally, like that's kind of another thing. It's like, as long as you do, a, he beat Auburn for the first time. Now I know they were terribly down, but you still did it. Like, you know, we hadn't beat them in six years. Like, it was important just to win that game just, you know, mentally. Yeah, it's the same uh, with ten- – I mean, Tennessee beating Florida. Like, yeah. everyone is happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it do- no one yeah. cares that Florida's not that good this year. It's something you don't do a lot or haven't done a lot recently. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and it would be great to beat Ole Miss. Like, that game last year sticks in people's crawls because we lost by one. See, that's a, that's a game we went for the two-point conversion to win the game and didn't get it. And so it, it's sour. It hurts. Like, cause it's like, man, we, we, you know, we were right there and, and didn't get it, but that's, that's still a great call. I look in hindsight and I wanted them to do it at the time. And I'm glad that they did it now. Um, I, I never think I always in football, football is such a game of aggression, like a game of aggressors. Like I think 
if you lose the aggressiveness, you lose. You may even like if you can hold that aggressiveness, you're going to win more often than not. If you are the aggressor, you're either the hammer or you're the nail, Will. And you know what? I'll take my chances being the hammer. Dude, yeah. I mean, going for two, especially in that situation. Um, if you if there's any doubt on that defensive side, which you know there is in that situation, I don't understand why you would why you would not always go for it, honestly, because you know someone on that defense is nervous. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing Bama. Like someone is nervous about having to defend yeah. this two-point conversion because they know the game's on the line. And when you're on offense and you just scored, there's no doubt in your mind it's going in. And it might not. Like you might not convert it, but you know you're going to be going 100%. You're running downhill, whatever whatever play you call. You know, yeah, I think that you, you brought up a fantastic point there is and, and I will even judge it based on the fans. Like, you know what makes a fan nervous? Seeing the team line up for two. Like, yep. OK, you know, uh, bummer. You know, they're going to kick an extra point. We're going to go for overtime. Like, no. Oh, they're going for two. Oh, crap. We could lose right here. Like it does. It just totally puts the ball in like. It's in your court, and you're saying, we're taking it to you. We're punching you right in the face. Um, And if you stop us, you stop us. But, man, we're taking that shot. Um, And I think especially if you are kind of the underdog, if you, you know. If you're the underdog, you better do it. (laughs) I think if you're the under – now, that was at home, and that was different, but they were underdog. Um, But I think if you're on the road, I think it's great to just shorten the game. I agree. Like, I've watched – I watched it happen – when Arkansas played Ole Miss in that crazy fourth and 25 game a while back, um, we were seniors in high school. So it would have been 2015. Um, and we went for it in second overtime or first overtime or whenever we had the chance to win it, like without them getting the ball back. Um, Cause you got to have the ball second to do it, to make this like the yeah. real option. Um, but if you can take it out of their hands and never let them touch it again, you know, that's what you got to do. Just like, you know, if you can end the game, just don't let the other team touch it. Like if you can have a 10 minute drive to end the game and they never even touch the ball again, it's perfect. Like if you can take the ball out of the other team's hands and you end the ball game with your ball in your hands, do it, do everything you can to try and do that. So um, anyway, shout out LSU, shout out Georgia, you know, it's this. That's football, man. What a great Saturday. Dude, we were talking about it a little bit in our group text. This is – I mean, this season is awesome. Just all the parity. I mean, great teams are losing. Um, I mean, Georgia is obviously undefeated. They've been scared. Ohio State was scared for a little bit this week against Northwestern, played in a, like, really ugly weather game, uh, ended up pulling away. But, I mean, you have have a team like TCU in the top five, which, I mean, credit to TCU. They've actually been there. You you look around kind of – bounce around the past 10 years, just you go back three or four years each time or something, and, you know, TCU's up there. I do want to talk about that a little bit, just talk about the playoff picture. And I'm going to yep. call, I'm gonna kind of call a shot right here, too, or put in a hot do take. It. I think call TCU it. loses this weekend to Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been watching them. I've been watching TCU a little bit because I've actually been – They are kind of bound to – they are kind of bound to – lose well and i've been i've been watching it because i've been betting on him i've actually and i've actually been winning my bets they've been covering but man it's a lot of backdoor covers and it's a lot of slow starts like they struggle with texas tech for a good part of that game yeah and tech didn't even have their quarterback or the he at least got hurt yeah um yeah 
and I just think Texas is good enough. I mean, especially with yours, I seems pretty healthy and everything. I guess he's been back a little bit now. Um, I just think that's a game they've been kind of. I don't I don't know what the uh, what metaphor I'm looking for right now, but TCU's just kind of been flirt, flirting with disaster a little bit um, these past couple weeks, and I think it's you know they're going to be. A t- I assume they'll be number four. They honestly, Reese Davis mentioned it like the committee could still put Tennessee at four and TCU at five just because yeah. off the eye test. They already um, had Alabama ahead of them last week. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, but, uh, cause I mean, like, do you think, it does, TCU, well, it doesn't matter. Do you think TCU is going into Georgia and yeah, putting up exactly. a fight? Seriously? Like, no, they're getting absolutely smothered. They're getting strangled out down there. Um, and shout out to TCU. I mean, having a great year. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see them this week. I could definitely see them losing to Texas. I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough ask of anybody. Texas is pretty good. Not great, but pretty, pretty good at home. It's tough to beat unless you're truly great. And I don't yeah. know if they're truly great. They're really good. I think TCU is, but I don't, I think you're right. They kind of are flirting with the, the more often you kind of flirt with losing a game, like eventually one, one kind of comes, um, one kind of comes to you and, this definitely could be the week that it happens. I think Texas would like to make a statement against TCU. You'll, I think you'll see one of their better performances, kind of like you saw against um, Oklahoma. Like if they pull out like a performance like Oklahoma, and that's what's Texas is, is fickle. Like they are kind of they've had some really good games, and then they've had some really poor games, um, and so they are kind of fickle with that. But I think they'll bring one of their better games this time, and they relish in the opportunity to put TCU down, you know, to take down a top 10 team, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think I'd be on board with you there. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee. I'd probably even cheer for TCU. I always loved TCU. I thought they had cool colors. I like the purple. Uh, and I like Dude, purple. Looks so good. Yeah. Purple's sweet. Purple's a good color, man. It's a good full color. Um, anyway. Yeah. Texas. Uh, good. Good battle for the state of Texas because we dang sure know, and we don't need no need for us to heap on, um, heap on old, old, uh, old Jimbo down there. There's plenty of people doing that for me these days, but I would like to, I mean, I like to pull back the clips like of how right I was on, on this take. I probably was more right. I just knew I, I just could see this coming. Um, I did not actually know, you know what? I was wrong. I did not even see how futile they were going to be this year. Even I was wrong about, about how bad they are. Now, half their team went down with the flu, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter. They're just terrible. Um, and they have spent a lot of money to be three and six. You know, like being three and six is one thing if you're Vanderbilt. It's one thing if you're even South Carolina. It's even one thing if you're Missouri. Of course, they have extended their coach and then took one of the most brutal L's to Kentucky at home I've ever like. I think that might be your next uh, next. I think that's your next coach to go after. We've already kind of jabbed at him before, but I feel like. Oh, Drinkwitz? Drinkwitz, yeah. God, that guy's a nut. He's a clown. I 
can't believe I can't I, I actually cannot believe they just willingly extended him. I can't two, I don't understand that. Like, I don't I either. Was, I thought he was on the the fence of getting fired. He's already then, got through 2024. So like let him coach. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're probably not firing him this year, even though I mean I would, but that's just me because I'm an aggressive like I would not settle for anything less than national championships every year. If my coach didn't win a national championship, I would fire him that year. You don't even get two years. One year, if you don't come in and wait, win what does that mean? You're just what does gone. that mean about Pittman, though? What do you mean? Yeah, he, if I was, if I was, oh, the, if you were in uh, charge, you're saying, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean every every program's different, um, but it's like, dude, just let him coach again next year. Like, why feel the need to extend this? Guy? I don't understand like, that. No well, one's some, like, no who's one's coming, coming after, after him. That's what, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, no one's coming after him. <laughs> like, you think he's gonna get plucked away? And if he does, so be it. You might be better off. Go hire someone else. Like you're not on the absolute gutter floor right now. I mean, that's the only testament I can say to him is that you're not on the absolute bottom of the heat pile right now, but you're not far above it. Like, what are you going to finish second to last in the East? Yeah. I mean, well, and the thing is, is if, cause you just I took mean, an L to Kentucky, that was your best chance of winning one the rest of the way. Okay. You're going to get domed on the head. Get... You're going to take a fat L this weekend in Knoxville. Yeah. I mean, well, and say he does get, plucked away or something you don't think you can find the same thing like you can't find another mid-major coach to come and come and second and you'll to last probably find like, one who's not an absolute loser nerd like i hate to say that uh, oh no you're I, right i'd probably i'd probably enjoy hanging out with him even just because i think it'd be funny but he's a clown like he does not he is not an sec football coach it's an unserious program move that's what i tweeted out and i believe it with my whole heart like extending drinkwitz is an unserious program move do you think in the next 4 years he is going to legitimately compete for the sec east there is no there is no in my whole brain, there's no simulation. I've already run about a billion simulations up here of the next four years of SEC football. And in zero simulations, does Missouri even compete for the SEC East? He's not bringing, he's not recruiting great. Like he's not, it's not like he's bringing in all this talent. He's not, oh my, I mean, just unserious alert, un, just woo, 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 unserious program, Missouri get out of here you're about to because i mean yeah you extended him and then he takes a brutal l at home to kentucky who stinks kentucky is bad what a fraudulent program kentucky is mediocre yeah they are mediocre but when you're when you kind of are thought of as good and you are mediocre correct you're bad yeah when you're bad and you're actually mediocre you're kind of good yeah but when you're good and you're mediocre you're bad and just had the chance to win it now kind of got a brutal call um but technically by the lay of the law by the law of the land uh it was the right call i guess now i was saying that for the for those aren't who are not familiar though if you're listening to us you're probably familiar the punt kentucky was punting from their side of the field with uh i don't know about a minute and a half to play probably something like that and the punt sail or the snap sails well over the Kentucky punter's head mm, yeah. and goes all the way down to about the 10 yard line where the Kentucky punter does proceed to pick up the ball and attempt to punt. Well, at this point, one of the Missouri players was there to either a get the ball 
or then he kind of goes to block the punt. Well, he does make contact with the punter, who's just putting up a desperation heave. If he doesn't touch him, if the Missouri player doesn't touch him, they probably get the ball on the, you know, the Kentucky 35 or 40 yard line. Like he wasn't going to be able to punt that 20 yards um, the way he was kind of going at it. But so there he is 40 yards behind the line to gain. And he gets hit rough in the kicker. And in my head, you know, how the pass interference rule, like if the ball gets tipped, there's no pass interference. Essentially. Yeah. um, That's kind of how I feel like on this snap is like, if the ball, if the snap goes over a punter's head, he is not really a punter anymore. He's more of just a player. Like, yeah, he might still punt the ball, but he's, he's not. Yeah. It's a, it's a loose protect- ball. So yeah, he's it's just, a loose ball. Yeah. He, he, anything he goes. Become, yeah. Any, uh, anything goes. Um, anyway, I mean, it doesn't break my heart to see Missouri get screwed, but I don't know. You kind of earn that karma wise by just accepting drink, which as your head coach, that's what mm-hmm. you accept. Home losses to Kentucky in year three. So, yeah, yeah, not. I mean, that's good for Arkansas as an Arkansas fan because I'm happy that he's there. Just because, like, they're our constant, they're a crossover opponent. So, yeah, I'll happily. He may even beat me this year because who knows how this season could play out. Like, if Arkansas does lose the next two games, I definitely could see us losing at Missouri, just because that'd be a very Arkansas thing to do. But, uh, but. I don't doubt that happens. And I'll take my chances with him every single year. Like I'm, I'm Aliyah, Aliyah Drinkwitz is never going to put the fear of God inside of me. Um, so I'll take my chances. Uh, you know, him and Shane Beamer, like joke. Shane Beamer is, is a joke. He's kind of on still that he's still early enough in his tenure where it hasn't worn completely thin yet, but a few more losses in year three. See, that's mediocrity in year one is accepted and kind of celebrated. Mediocrity. Oh, it was very celebrated in Columbia, South Carolina last year. Mediocrity in year two is tolerated and, you know, somewhat even enjoyed. But mediocrity in year three, when you're still a clown and saying like all these goon stuff and you're just making like is means of termination <laughs> yeah um so i but missouri extending drinkwitz is just out of out of this world to me in season two like before and they still they could finish four and eight i believe i yeah i mean i don't get it like they probably finished so say they finished five and seven and you just decided in year three five and seven in year three and you're going to extend your clo- coach through 2026 it, I mean, it, it all goes back to, I mean, we've said it, but what are you afraid of? Like what? <laughs> there is no, there's no point. Make you him earn that. that. The, the reason you give a guy an extension is because you're either applauding what he's done. You know, you're saying, hey, you deserve this because you've exceeded our expectations. We want to make sure we have you locked down for longer. Or you think, hey, there's a bunch of coaching searches going around. Maybe someone tries and comes and gets him. But you don't really need to be afraid of that because if that happens, you don't think you can find another guy that can go five and seven at Missouri? Ooh, tough. <laughs> like you can. I'm just saying, like you can find someone that can go five and seven at Missouri. Yeah. You already fired Barry Odom for going seven and five at Missouri. So 
You mentioned uh, I'm, I'm, you mentioned South Carolina too. We were talking about Beamer. I always thought I thought Muschamp was going to be there forever. I thought he fit South Carolina. You know, hey, maybe they win like eight games one year, but they kind of sit around six or seven wins. That just scream. That just sounds like South Carolina to me. I think they should have yeah, kept that around old Muschamp. But see, but yeah, but Muschamp was kind of it's kind of the same thing. Like Muschamp's kind of not that likable. No, he, oh, he's a total day. asshole. It's like at first you kind of like him. You're like, this guy's hardcore. Like, this guy's intense. And then he's a football like, guy. This guy is kind of just a, a dick. Like, he's, a, a, he's kind of a southern Bo Pelini, I think. Yeah, that's with less success. <laughs> and I was going to say, I think the players probably liked Bo more than they liked him. I think Muschamp was actually like a jerk to guys. Yeah, like, I think, I think Muschamp yeah. was hard on the players. Um, and when you're just like that kind of kind of plays if you're Saban like he used to have that reputation of being super hard even though I actually think he's softened up a good bit these days but mm-hmm. I think he did but he was winning he national championships he, he was winning tantrums. yeah he does but it doesn't feel quite as like directed at the players more often than not I mean sometimes it probably still is but I feel like used to you would see him just chew out players but he was winning national championships. Behaviors are different. Like you are judged differently when you are going seven and five when versus when you are winning a national championship. You are just judged yeah. differently. You're in the comments that you make to the media matter. Like it's different when you can't say you can't say you know ignorant comments and just offhand you know remarks and brags and like you can't be. Or just be a jerk to the media. Honestly. Yeah, you can't be. A, you can't. Yeah, you can't really do it. With, even like Saban has his moments, but he like he kind of feeds the media. Like he knows what they want. He knows that they want a Saban rant to like write about and to like he. Knows I never, I never thought about it that way. But he knows right. when it's time to go on a little like oh you know maybe it's his team has struggled and he's going to take a little heat off him, but he's going to go on a rant. And now all the conversations on this Saban rant or, you know, he knows when it's time to put one of those out there. He's like, all right, time to go up there and give the media a little something to chew on. Um, but yeah, you, you just like, that's why I, <laughs> I almost feel bad doing this, but that's why you just can't do whatever Jimbo did this off season. Dude. You just can't. You You're, just no, can't. that was, I think you're, your response to Jimbo hosting his press conference, maybe that's Paydirt Hall of Fame. <laughs> your your rant on Jimbo saying, I hate that we have to do, I hate that we have to do this. Oh, this press conference that you called, that you called so you could tell everyone what happened and defend yourself and call out Nick Saban. Yeah, I hate that we have to do this. So sorry you had to do that, Jimbo. <laughs> so sorry we all forced you to call that press conference, you douchebag. <laughs> I actually think at this point, like, I think the tables have turned. I think at one point he might have wanted to be successful. And I could be totally off base here, but I think he's accepted that. Like, he's kind of, like, testing the waters. He's like, well, things have kind of turned bad. Like, if I really go south, they might fire me. Like, And I can ride off all, into the sunset with a this all mil. This all could be over. <laughs> like, yeah, I you know he's not you know he's not like happy right now no he seems miserable like truly seems miserable i mean he's not used to losing this bad and he knows like it's on I th- like he knows it's on him yeah he does feel i think he does if anything i think he does feel the weight 
but he's like incapable. Like that's what I'm, that was my whole point on Jimbo. It's like he is incapable of change. He's like t- he understands that it is fault, but he also is incapable of changing or doing anything about it. All he knows how to do is lean more into being Jimbo, and it sucks. <laughs> it's going the wrong way. He was smart ten years ago. Like he was on the forefront of college football offense twelve years ago. A lot has changed, and he and like that's how people get. Sometimes people do that in jobs all the time. They they do something good a while back. And they're just like, well, I did that good. I'm going to lean on that. That's what I know how to do. That's what I know how to do well. Um, they never change. And then they fall way behind because everyone else evolves. Because every, people were chasing Jimbo. But you know what? They caught up a long time ago, and now they're way ahead of him. Lane Kiffin is out there running circles around Jimbo. I mean, say, let's talk Saban. Saban used to – I mean, all you talked about was running the ball in defense. Now what does he do? He tosses the ball around and has – great receiving cores and quarterbacks now that he just tosses the ball around all the time. Totally like yeah. completely different from Nick Saban. Like that's the yeah. thing. Because I don't he think got, people understand he got beat. that enough. Nick Saban got beat one time. Yep. Literally one time and said, okay, we got it. like, all right, I see that. And, and that that's what makes beyond football, beyond everything. That is what makes a great leader is saying, okay, I've seen something. I've seen the chink in our armor, even if it's not a total downfall, you know, I've seen something that could lead to, you know, the detriment of us. We need to go ahead and be proactive and begin to, you know, yep. re- instead of being reactive. And Jimbo, unfortunately, isn't even reactive. Um, he certainly is not proactive. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like they still got to play LSU. Like they're not going to get bowl eligible. You go five and seven, bro. Five and seven, and that's even being generous. That's letting them win two more games. Like you go four and eight with the number one recruiting class in the nation. How many of those guys are staying? None. They're all going to Knoxville. Yeah, they're going. I'll take them. (laughs) Welcome them with open arms, my brother. Come play in Fayetteville. We need need some help. And y'all play, and you'll play in a fun system and enjoy playing football. Like, it just seems to be no fun there in uh, college. He's kind of a fun, fun sucker, you know, just an energy, energy black hole. Well, when you're losing, I mean, those guys, they've had to have just given up. Unless you're, unless you grew up an Aggie fan, that's literally the only thing I can think of. If you're some five star recruit that went there because, oh, hey, we're going to have all this talent. We're going to win natties. And I got and paid a million dollars. Yeah, and I got paid millions. And you're staring a losing season in the face. It's like, why don't I just go get paid millions uh, somewhere else where we're going to I've win. already cashed that check. Like, I don't yeah. know how these deals are structured, but I I mean, most of it's got to be up front. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe some of it's like, well, you you know, you get a little bit each year, but like most of it's got to be up front. Yeah, I mean, you have and to have then, the option to like, there has to be some kind of clause in there if you transfer this. Okay, we'll take your car back okay cool i'll get one in baton rouge next year i guess i think this is and this is like all the same issue and it's like very different issues but texting him has written a check there's a divergent place you can go in this program if you really are serious we're talking about serious programs tonight if you're really serious if you're serious about winning national championships you gotta cut ties with jimbo like it ain't happening 
He's not winning a national championship. You, yeah, you know now it's not going. You down. know, you know now, you know now. He might, he might bounce back, win eight, nine games. I could, I could even see him some winning ten games, but he's just not winning a national championship. Like you, that you know for a fact that that's not happening. If you're serious, you have to cash that check that you wrote. Oh, we're gonna give him a ninety. We're gonna give him a hundred million dollar buyout. Okay, are you prepared to cash that check? Like, are you prepared to give him that buyout when he's terrible? Like, oh, we're going to give him the most guaranteed money ever. We're going to give him the most guaranteed money of all time because we're texting him. We got so much money. We can do whatever we want. We're texting him money. Okay. Write that check. Write that check. ATM. Cut that check. Cut that check. And I mean, shout out to Jimbo if he actually got that check. Like, that would actually put me back in the Jimbo train. Um, is like, you know what? Shout out. I that would be my dream is to win a national championship at Arkansas and then get a hundred million dollar plus guarantee to go coach at Texas or Texas AM, one of my better rivals, absolutely screw their program over and collect that eighty-five million dollar guarantee on the way out the door. No problems at all. That does sound like a pretty good deal. And I'll for donate. You. I'll you know what? If I get an eighty plus million dollar buyout from Texas or Texas m or LSU, Alabama, anybody, Auburn, I don't care. I'll donate half of that to the Razorbacks. Give me a new football facility, Seth Coggin. I'm cashing this check for my buyout from our hated rival. That would never happen. That, that's just a crazy hypothetical. It's a pipe dream, but hey. True pipe dream. But that is kind of like it's not the dream because it, you're fired in disgrace. But shoot, man, cashing an $80 million check, retire for the rest of your life wherever you want. Don't even have to think about football ever again. That might not be too bad for Jimbo. I could see him just smoking a few cigars. He seems like a Boca Raton guy or like um, something like that, you know? Honestly, I think that might be – I could see him taking that money and going and coaching a Florida Atlantic. Or, hey, maybe he goes back to his alma mater. Maybe he goes coaches the Bulldogs down at Samford. Oh, yeah. No, no, there's no way he's going to Birmingham. If I had $80 million in the bank, Birmingham's nice. I actually like it more than I thought I kind of would. He's going to coach at the beach, though. Yeah, he's definitely coaching. He's definitely – I could see him at FAU chilling. That'd be pretty nice. I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. I'm kind of jealous. Maybe that's – maybe I am kind of jealous of Jimbo, but I'm not at all. He's terrible. But that's – it's the whole thing of like, you know – you paid all this money for your recruiting class and then you whined about people being jealous that you paid all this money for your recruiting class. And if you have the actual, like if you have, if you have the money to fire him, like actually flex your money and fire him, like actually be like, okay, we actually do have this kind of money. Like we're firing him and we're paying the 80 and we're paying the next guy seven mil a year. So (laughs) We're signing the next guy to a 10 year guaranteed contract. <laughs> Glutton um, for punishment. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the Huskers real quick and then we can get into a little we do have a couple NFL things I think we want to cover. Um man, I watched, Huskers. I watched like six plays and I really believed we could pull it out there, Will. Huskers had a Scott Frost esque loss this past weekend. Um Casey Thompson was out big i mean that's obviously a big that loss. did change things yeah that did yeah. change things um because don't get me wrong like casey casey is a gunslinger like in every sense of the word because 
he's not afraid to just let it rip. And sometimes, yeah, he throws picks, but a lot of times he hits a lot of deep balls. Like he, he's a game changer too. Um, but anyway, the Huskers decided to start Chubba Purdy and Chubba Purdy, not a power five starting quarterback. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. We, and it was funny because Nebraska was beating Minnesota at their, at their own game, starting that game out. They were dominant on defense. We were smashing them in the mouth, running the ball. I mean, looking really, really good, honestly. I was thinking, dude, we're going to win this game, and we might win by, like, a couple scores. Um, what happened, though, offense kind of sputtered. The whole time, Chubba never really was playing that well. It was kind of, you know, we were running the ball. Anthony Grant was playing really well. He had around 90 yards in the first half. That was good. But even in the first half, there were a couple throws Chubba Purdy tried to make that I'm looking at and saying, what, like, who is he throwing to? Like, double, triple covered, not even, like, there's no chance if you're anyone, like, if you throw that thing in there 150 miles an hour, it's not getting through the defense. Like, it just made no sense to me. No pocket presence. And the whole time, I've thought this, and a lot of the Husker fans disagree with me, but I think now we know. Logan Smothers, who's been there for years, more of a mobile guy, started a game last year, played pretty well. He comes in and does pretty well, like makes an awesome throw on fourth and 10, actually, uh, to the sideline to Marcus Washington, keeps us in the game. He did himself make a couple mistakes. Seth, you even talked about there was one specific play where all he had was green grass in front of him. Easy, like third and short. And gotta get decided. like gotta get first downs. Yeah. But he, it's just frustrating when I know it's the end of the game. We got to look downfield and stuff, but like live to play, take four more shots. I mean, it was third down at that point. And it was like, dude, just let's get that first. When it was like, he, if he ran, he's getting 10, 15, maybe more. Oh yeah. He's not just getting the first down. He's getting down the field. Well, and cause Smothers can move. That's the other thing. He might be one of the fastest guys on the team. Like he's just like this skinny white dude from Alabama that can like move. Um, but anyway, like that's why I, you know, but also you put a guy in late in the fourth quarter and let him play some snaps. They put him in like one series earlier. I blame this game on Mark Whipple, the OC that came over from Pittsburgh. He, like we've talked about with some other coaches, the guy does not adapt. He, the only reason Chubba was starting is because Chubba is a guy that Mark Whipple would want to play. Like he just, for whatever reason, it, it literally it's like because Logan Smothers is a runner kind of run first he's like no we're not playing him like I'm gonna try and make this work or you know what I'm gonna keep him in just because I can like that's what I decided I'm gonna do that yeah coaches do that sometimes and that's legitimate that's a legitimate thing it's like no this is my decision I'm gonna like prove myself right by like forcing it's gonna I'm gonna force it so hard to be it's like Brian Ferentz at Iowa like playing that quarterback over and over and over with like just terrible results and people asking him why don't you put the backup in and he's like well I don't like I can do what I want basically (laughs) um but an interesting stat I saw over this weekend so since firing Scott Frost it's been six games four out of those six games the Huskers have scored 14 points or less so uh, I feel pretty confident in saying Mark Whipple not doesn't need to be back as OC but really what kind of made me upset about this is that was a call Mickey Joseph could have made, you know, if you're, I mean, he's the head coach right now. He could have said, we're putting Logan in and maybe he did. Maybe he did finally later. I I don't know what that conversation was, but it definitely should have happened a lot earlier. There's been a lot of rumors going around that 
I don't know. It's like I'm hearing more and more that Mickey might be hired on full time, which I'm not anti. But personally, I would I would like to see an outside hire that somehow is able to retain Mickey as a position coach slash recruiter, because that's what really you want to keep him around for his recruiting ability. Um, We'll see how it goes. I mean, Huskers, I mean, just a heartbreaking loss. Another I mean, just add it to the. Yeah, like that. that's what it was kind of nothing numb to it. Yeah, Nebraska's had the most list of just like, man, brutal loss. Just yeah. add it to the add it to the counter. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. Honestly, you know what, Huskers, oh, you got Michigan in the Big House this week. I'll be excited to watch it. Like, yeah. Why not? You can you can compete. I know they can compete. Like I'm not saying Michigan's not going to come out there and beat them 42 to 10, but I'm also not going to be surprised if it's 27 20 at the end of the game. You know, so. I mean, I'll be excited to watch it. Honestly, if the Huskers beat Iowa at the end of the year, I think that would be – and I think they can. Like, that's a game I'm like, you can you can win that game. Yeah. That'd be good. It's always yeah. – just let's just see one see one in the W, Colin. Yeah. Let's do – let's have a positive out of the season. Like, yeah, you haven't beaten Iowa in like eight years. That's which what, is yeah, so embarrassing. Like, that is, it's, yeah, that's not good. It's not like, you know, Tennessee – it's not even like Tennessee losing to Florida 14 out of 15 years, like – It'd be like if Tennessee lost to Kentucky. It'd be like if Tennessee lost to Kentucky eight years in a row. Yeah, it was kind of feels like Arkansas just lost to AM nine years in a row. And that's what it felt like. And it was and it like eight like seven of those games were one score games, something like, you know, super close. And it was like we lost to these guys this many times in a row. Like yeah, we couldn't we couldn't find we couldn't find a way to push one of these across. Um and it's like, it is kind of tough. So, yeah, break that kind of streak. And that gives, I mean, because then you don't have to think about breaking it next year. You know, it's like, okay, well, we beat him last year. Like, I don't know. It just gives yeah. you some. It gives you something. And just to enjoy as a fan. Like, you know what? Yeah, this year kind of sucked. But we on this Saturday, I was pretty happy because the Huskers won. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't really for most teams. Like, like I was talking earlier, like, most teams aren't national championship contenders and most people kind of know that going into the season, but especially once that gets broken in the year, you know, whether it's four weeks into the year, whether it's six weeks or, you know, once it's over, it's kind of like, well, you know, let's just have fun. And if we win, let's enjoy it and let it be, but like, you know, it ain't the end of the world. Um, And, you know, maybe that's a loser's mentality, but you know what? I've lost a lot of games. So like, I have to just kind of accept that losing does happen sometimes. I can't let it ruin. I can't let it ruin my weekends. It's a whole season, like one out of four seasons of the year. I can't let just all of that go to waste because I'm upset because my football team loses football games. Like, yeah, I can enjoy it when they win. It's awesome. And just enjoy those and just live it up and just let that. But, you know, Let's just live for those moments and not get too down on the on the L's because they're going to come. They're always going to come. So speaking I, like of, to, I think yeah. it's time we uh, transition over to a little NFL talk. We do have we're going to be focusing on the AFC South today. We'll kick it off with the uh, the, the hometown team Titans uh, Sunday night football prime time prime time. Uh, positive. I think we have the best coach in the league. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> – I wouldn't argue that. Like, head coach right now, there's no one else I'd rather have on my 
there's no one else that does what he does with like a more sad roster at times. Like there'll be certain weeks, especially like overall, you know, if every like our full 53 man was healthy, like our number ones across the board, it's like, yeah, that's a pretty good roster. But like there'll be weeks this week, you know, kind of being one of them where you'll go into a game and and like people are literally like like Titans fans themselves are like, should we just kind of like mail this one in? You know, just take or you're our just L. picking out players on the field and are like, who is that? Yeah, and we we are saying that. Yeah, and I watch I watch just about every single snap of Titans football. Like every single like, that's that is and what I, I do like I know who's on the practice yeah. squad. Yeah, you know, yeah. like <laughs> oh, I follow. Yeah, we follow them through training camp, and I follow their offseason moves and acquisitions and weekly acquisitions, and I'll and I'll be surprised. Yet somehow they just come out and compete. They just compete, man. They have built, and that is such a huge testament to their culture of just, we want to win the game. Like, we are going to give it everything. We are going to to just crawl tooth and nail to try and beat you. And we're going to come at you time and time and time and time again. And they were significantly hampered on offense. And we did a lot of things to shoot ourselves in the foot, too. Um, I think without a few of those penalties in the second half, drive-killing penalties, the Titans were never going to come back from first and 20. It was not happening. No. Like, first and 10, maybe we could – like, first and 10, yeah, hopefully we can string together a few runs. Yeah, to I would have. First down. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, first and 20, it ain't happening. And we even would give up. Literally, it, it, and this is – so the Titans – you know, uh, yeah, I would say anyone listening to this knows what happens in game. And I think, okay, there's, uh, well, I want to make one point as well that like the fact that it was a a night game in Kansas City made this feel like a lot bigger of a game. Mm-hmm. In all reality, it's a regular season NFL game that, yeah, it sucks to lose, but like we're in great position to win our division. Like nothing, truly, truly nothing has changed. In fact, actually, in some, crazy fashion you actually i i myself included might even elevate the titans kind of just overall thought in my head of how good they are based on what happened the other night because you come in with a backup quarterback a backup quarterback who does very few things like well i'll be honest i i I wanted malik to be the guy i really bad and I don't see it, man. I don't see it. He runs great. Like, he'll, he'll rip off some runs, and that's awesome. And that is good. That's a weapon. Uh, and, you know, that can come in and win us some, you know. That can, beat that can come in handy. Yeah. Like, he's not going to be, like, it, make him, my, my, my boss was saying this today, make him Taysom Hill. Like, let him do that. Yeah. Let him be, like, a utility guy. Like, throw him around. Who can throw? Packages. Who can throw? Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, but he just is not, cons- like, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, and he makes just a huge jump in his passing ability in year two, and his just overall control. And he, he's still a rookie quarterback running around out there. Like sometimes he looks like a chicken with his head cut off, like in yeah. the pocket sometimes. And uh, and some of that can come with age and maturity and that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, you kind of know sometimes. And that's this is two weeks, and to absolutely his defense. To his defense, we have the most pathetic 
group of wide receivers I've ever seen. There were like two specific balls he threw that I was like, those are good balls. Someone should have caught those. If you're an NFL receiver, you should have caught them. uh, An NFL receiver, not even a great NFL receiver, an NFL receiver. The one to Conley was perfect, like a dime, an absolute dime that just doinked off the guy's arms. Like, you gotta make you gotta make a play for your rookie quarterback. Like help him out, man. Dude, uh, you 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 tweeted about it. Um, and Shump, our friend of the show, Ryan Shump or Rocky Top Insider, responded and mentioned like our receivers being comparable to like AAC, like American Athletic Conference receivers. And it had me thinking, I was like, we legitimately have guys out there playing right now that I'm like, I don't think they'd be number one on like a power six conference team. No, <laughs> like I'm serious. Like I'm talking guys that de- like wouldn't start at a bunch of power five schools. That's for sure. Like that's, I mean, that's really something to think about. That's just, I, I, when, when he said that, I was like, that is actually kind of crazy. Dude, Cody Hollister. And I always got him and his brother. He was like number three receiver. He played at Arkansas. He was number three receiver, like at Arkansas when he played here, and we weren't even loaded at receiver. Like, I don't yeah. even know how he's made it. It there was a point. It, 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 uh, I'm almost gonna get in. Inco- like, I I can't even describe how just nonsensical and absolutely abysmal. There was a point. It was third and eight with oh, two yeah. minute two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Two minutes left of the, in the fourth quarter of a tied game on the road against the Chiefs. A big game. Like this, like any game in the NFL is a big game, but this is a big game. And it's third and eight. And we are on the right hash. So you have the whole left field open. So left field, left side of the field, the to the to the uh, field side, you have a single receiver set. And your single receiver to the field side is Cody Hollister. Yeah. Let that really sink in. Like you are putting your offense, you're putting your rookie quarterback in the one of the most disadvantageous positions it possible. Like you are putting a like shout out Cody Hollister. Shout out to him for sticking around in the league. But you are that is essentially the feet. That's an AJ Brown spot. Like that's that's your star receiver spot out there, and you're putting you're running a special teamer out there. You're literally and our buddy said it the best. Like Cody Hollister plays linebacker on special teams, and he's our starting wide receiver. Yep, it makes my brain hurt. We signed guys off that we've signed two receivers in a row that the Chiefs cut. The Chiefs cut them, and we've signed them, and they're playing. Hey, Chris Conley's getting meaningful snaps. Like, it's not just a depth filler. It's like, oh, all of a sudden he's our starting receiver. No, that and that's the problem. Like, I don't have a problem with any of these guys. Like, awesome. Like, I want all I want these guys to succeed. I'm happy they're in the league. But it's our fault that they're in this position because we don't have anyone else to put there. Like, it's not their fault. They're the guys there. Like, they've peaked. They're not. It's not even like they're doing a bad job. They're doing what you expect them to do. I'm having like a jet fly over me right now <laughs> in the world. Um, but you're telling me you don't like you don't have anyone like Cody Hollister should be on the practice squad. He should be on the practice squad forever. No offense to him. Like make yeah. your six digits and 
go yeah. play go shout grab out. a red like, shout out racerback for life bro like, yeah man i'm with him like i look at look at this bro i i, I am a hog till i die i will rip the razorbacks till i go to the grave but like this is professional football and the titans we're messing with here you ain't that ain't you and I will, I will say this. I'm I'm not big to – I don't trash J-Rob a lot, but you're getting a little too – hey, man, let's remember, you're not, you're not with the Patriots anymore. Maybe, like, that whole, oh, we don't need receivers thing isn't going to work here like it did with the Patriots for a, a, a certain amount of time. Like, there were times where the Patriots had receivers, but that was kind of the Patriot way. Like, we don't need to pay for receivers. Okay, we also don't have Tom Brady. And we also have Todd Downing calling plays. So not a good combination there or lack of combination. Yeah, And just because you have Derrick Henry doesn't mean we can't have other weapons. Like doesn't mean we can't have good receivers. We didn't dude. The Tennessee football Titans did not have a receiver catch a pass in a full NFL football game. Not one single receiver caught a pass. Yeah. That is monumentally bad. That is that is a categorical failure. And that falls on, honestly, everyone. But mainly it falls on J-Rob and it falls on Todd Downing. And, yeah, Malik Willis took some terrible sacks the other night because no one is open. These guys are not like that's what like Cody Hollister might have great hands. Like he can probably catch <laughs> catch the balls great. He cannot get separation from me. I mean, he could he could get separation from me. Let's all right. I'm gonna walk it back just a little bit. He <laughs> cannot get separation against an NFL cornerback. Any of them. Like they're not getting open. They taunted us. They literally taunted us by playing single man press coverage. And we couldn't do anything. They tried to no. throw a few. They even tried to throw throw a few balls to take advantage of it, and we just dropped them. Nick Westbrook Aquino is your actual starting wide receiver, and he's terrible. That's the he thing. Was, like, he like, was actually like, like that was your plan. Your plan was for Nick Westbrook Aquino to be your starting wide receiver. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and that's that's my thing too. Westbrook Aquino to me. I mean, is as good as like Tajay Sharp was when he was here because Tajay had some. He had a good year, like one year. But then go, he kind of has bounced around the league and is like a practice squad guy. Like Westbrook Akine on a lot of teams is a practice squad guy. Yeah. Like And on a lot of other teams, he's number three, number four. Like Yeah, he's a number four receiver. Yeah, number four. And to be, I mean, you know, hopefully they do get Traylon as designated return this week, Traylon Burks. Um, I mean, it's not like he was lighting the world up on fire, but obviously – you have no a one is like he yeah. can ca- he can get he can catch that's a the, ball. That's the type of balls that he does catch. Like those catches that got dropped the other day. Like if those are the type of balls he he is there to catch. Yeah. Like throw it up to him if he has one on one coverage. Throw it up to him. He's the type of receiver to make those plays. Yeah. Like that. That is kind of why you have him. And and yeah, it's hard. Of course, he's not lighting the world on fire because we don't use our wide. We've caught one wide receiver touchdown. All year, all year, Will. One. Robert Woods has one. And we're somehow five and three. Like, it's a miracle somehow. Like, that is a testament. Our defense is raw. 
like it doesn't just give us a pass. And I, I mean, I think Todd Downing is just purely the most incompetent like offensive coordinator I've watched. And I've watched some, I've watched some incompetence, and he's got to be the worst. And I'll just take it. I'll take it to overtime. I'll take it over time. I don't even need to tell you about the fact that we got one first down in all of the second half. I don't care. The I don't care about penalties. I don't care that you're starting a rookie quarterback. I don't care about anything. You got one first down. Like even some things that were working in the first half, they just abandoned. Quarterback run. I don't think they ran the quarterback like a designed quarterback run in the second half hardly at all. Like, but let's just let's just go to the fourth quarter. No, no, no. Overtime. Overtime. Kansas City kicks a field goal, right? So the Titans have to have at least a field goal to tie or, you know, to keep the game going or a touchdown to win. But there's only four minutes left, so pretty much you get one drive. Run on first down with Derrick Henry, most predictable thing in the world. But I like it. I'm pro that play because Derrick Henry is amazing. He's your Hall of Fame running back that you have in your backfield. The only advantage that you have on offense right now is Derrick Henry. The only advantage that you have right now is Derrick Henry. Okay. My, my point here is that we have to have this first down. It, we It's a four down territory from the jump. You know for a fact you have four downs to get this. So Derrick Henry gets two yards on first down. Okay. You know, second and eight. I think they call it the second and nine, but it was second and eight. Okay. Run him again. Run him again. What do they do? a deep drop by Malik Willis. Our receivers are getting zero separation and we get sacked for minus 12 yards and then it's over. Cause then, you know, even if Derek Henry gets two yards again, it's third and six. And we know we're going for it on fourth down. I would have run him three times there. I would have run him legitimately three times to try and get that first down. I probably would have just, I, I mean, I know it sounds basic, but I would have just run Derrick Henry four times and said, "F it!" Like, no, I would if have. If it too. gets stopped, it gets stopped. But oh, you saw exactly what happened. We got sacked three times in a row with Malik Willis. Like, it wasn't gonna work. It just was. I, I don't care that that's maybe what you should do theoretically in football. This is not Madden. Like this, this is this is real football that's happening, and it was not gonna work. It didn't work all second half. I was saying that oh. exact same thing to guys today. I said, would anyone really be that upset if you just ran with Derrick Henry? Especially when you're on – I'm talking about the end of the game. You're on, their, you're on their side of the field or you're at the 50 and you decide to throw a pass. Well, now you have to pass. Like, <laughs> after that, you know, like, just oh, run left. Run left until they stop at left, then run right. They stop at right, run it up the middle. Like, just run Derrick Henry. Dude, dude, oh, man, I was waiting for this. Do first of all, you could run the read option. Like, yeah, run the quarterback option. Yeah, or on second down, you want to run something different? Yeah, run the read option. Or, dude, I'm waiting for it. They're keying on Henry so bad. They're putting everyone in the box. Hey, you know how you get a receiver open? Do a little halfback pass. You've done it before. Like, do it. It it could work. Like, you get everyone keying on Derrick Henry. It can't be worse. Yeah, it can't be worse. Yeah. Mm. Like, who cares? You're just giving – you're just throwing the white towel when you're dropping Malik Willis back and running routes with Cody Hollister and the practice squad all-stars out there on primetime Sunday night football. 
And thank yeah. God that probably won't be the lineup we roll out there in the playoffs. And that's what, and it, it's frustrating because it's frustrating. Like it's frustrating because it doesn't matter that it's the chiefs. It doesn't, it's frustrating because that is the reality of the construction of our offense currently. But thankfully this was week nine and, you know, hopefully come playoff time like that, we'll at least have some better options. Like Kyle Phillips, even, you know, Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips are two of your top four receivers at least. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would help. Um, but I mean, God, that was because the defense, the defense played 91 snaps or something versus the twice Chiefs. as many plays as us. They played 90 plus snaps and allowed seven. Like they the defense just did everything that they could. They left it all out there and just got abused by one man named Todd Downing and others, but We'll just put it on him. He that is what the what you take on when you are the offensive coordinator. You take on the responsibility of the offense, and his offense is putrid. Yeah, it is putrid. It's gonna win. We're gonna win some. We're gonna win our division. Like I mean, I can't say we're going to. We should win our division pretty handedly. I mean, you're I still mean, in a good spot right now. I think everyone else has a losing record, and they're terrible. Like they're, yeah, the, they're the, not Col- good. the Colts are a dumpster fire, and we can touch on that in just a second here, but. But it doesn't matter. Just because we're going to doesn't mean that that's good enough. Like, it doesn't – just because we're going to win, you know, 10 games and win our division and maybe squeak out a playoff win at home in the wild card round, like, doesn't mean – doesn't justify anyone keeping their job. Yeah. But Yeah. That would be something I'd like to see. And I think we are entering a different phase of – Titans, you know, football. Just yeah, you got to see. I feel like after this year, there's got to be a lot of moving pieces going on. Because, right? like, we still technically have Tannehill signed. But, like, and – but Malik's not the guy, I don't think. Like, if we roll he's into not. week – like, like, he's If he's we not. roll into week one next year, unless I see something just drastic or he makes just crazy improvements, like – Ooh, buddy, that's not who I want to be my starting quarterback. Like, I I would rather roll with Tannehill. Like, yeah. Again, next oh, year. yeah. Well, that's what some people were saying this weekend. Like, could you? I know Tannehill was kind of gimpy, but could you have just rolled him out there? Like, he could have handed the ball off, you know? Yeah. I think probably, honestly, playoffs you do. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's why it's different. Point. I think playoffs yeah. you do. I mean, he was, yeah, he was out there taking, you know, he was going through warm ups, but that, and that's, and that's wise. That's smart on the Titans. Like if it's week nine, we're yeah, it's not worth position. it. No, you're right. No, don't don't uh, don't ruin it. So, um, but all that frustration to say, you know, a hard fought loss on the road, like in week nine, not that big a deal. True, like truly not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal because the Titans played well for the last several weeks to get to this point. Like they put in, they won five in a row. So yeah. you know, if you know, win five, lose one, we'll be all right. No, you can't let it string together, but their, their schedule is still pretty favorable. Like, take care of the games these upcoming weeks that you should win. If they pretty much just win the games that they should win, they'll, I mean, they'll be totally fine the rest of the way out. They're pretty much like last night, I think, was a little disappointing because it was an opportunity to, to, to kind of get back into that upper tier yeah. of the AFC, but I don't really care. Like, it, it doesn't. I don't think we were going to win out the one seed anyway, just because I just 
don't think it's a big ass out of this i mean and like you did it kind of last year with a lot of i mean you played 90 guys or whatever but this i don't think anyone was expecting a seed out of this team and that's okay yeah it's fine obviously we showed it didn't freaking matter last year like yeah took a hard l like let's just go get a playoff spot and win a game and see what happens uh, this defense will travel, though, man. That is what I'm excited about. This defense will travel, um, and they'll give us a shot pretty much most games um, that we play. So that is fun. That is pretty cool to watch and 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 just witness. Um, but as as we were kind of preparing, one of the greatest events of modern modern football and honestly just modern American history went down, and that was the Colts introductory press conference for interim head coach Jeff Saturday coach with one year of high school football experience. Yeah. Tell him the stat you told told me. So I have, I have not fact checked this, so this may get flagged for misinformation. Um, But apparently Jeff Saturday. So his only coaching experience, only coaching experience is as a high school football coach. Which shout out that is hopefully to be my profession one day soon. So, you know, shout out to the high school football coaches out there for sure. But, you know, we don't see many high school football coaches jump right to the NFL. And you especially don't see high school football coaches with a three and seven record this year. Ooh. And this is the man you've handpicked to be your next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck retiring has somehow put this whole Colts organization in their head is in the blender. Jim Irsay has, and I'm not trying to make light of his actual issues that he's, he's mentally not there, but he has fried his brain one too many. Well, I won't even go there. He's probably, I mean, the guy's got like 10 DUIs, like done a lot of drugs. Yeah. that Uh, too. He's definitely fried his brain. I'm addicted to Jim Irsay content though. Like I cannot, I cannot look away from this guy. He had one of the most, let me, let me just, I'm just going to get like, get, well, you, you can talk about it for a second. Cause I want to pull up, I want to pull up some actual like legitimate. I don't, I don't this is not just me talking. I'm going to pull up some legitimate quotes from his conference today. Yeah. I mean, Ursay, yeah, he comes on with this press conference and I was, I, I didn't get to see a lot of it. The, what I saw while I was watching Monday night football, not too long ago, they pulled up his, press conference talking about Jeff Saturday. And the funny thing was, is he was, his point was since Jeff Saturday hasn't coached in the NFL, he doesn't have all this fear of this extra stuff that all these other NFL coaches think about, but he started saying, you know, all the analytics, all the little details, he doesn't, he doesn't know any of that. And I was like, do you realize what you just said? (laughs) You basically just said he doesn't know anything about like running an NFL team. Like, great. Yeah, he has no fear of failure. Yeah, I get that. But also saying you basically just said he's not qualified for this job. And I don't think that anyone you said this as well, Seth, before we started recording. I don't think I think people freaking out about this is kind of entertaining because I don't think Jeff Saturday is the coach like for next year or anything. I think it's you have to sell tickets if you're Indianapolis. Like you're done. Your season is done. Sam Ellinger is pro- similar to like Malik Willis. Like that's not happening with Sam Ellinger. You're not winning a bunch of games or anything. So you put in a guy like Jeff Saturday, loved by the Colts fan base. 
you're a Colts fan. Oh, Jeff Saturday's coaching this week. Dude, I got it. Like, I got to go see that. You know, that's just kind of cool. So that's all it is for me. Like a prayer for some ticket sales. Yeah, it, I think. But I think even it'd be it'd be nice if they like admitted it. Like, look, this is an interim thing. But no, they kind of doubled down on like. They did. No, you're right. They, yeah, they absolutely. Um, <laughs> have, so I'm just going to go through. I'm going to go through a few of just some humdingers that Ursay and Ursay and and I encourage I, I myself need to go back and watch the whole thing because I've only seen clips and quotes um, and I'm I want to view this thing in its entirety like I will be watching this full interview um, tomorrow but um, just just some absolute just winners of quotes we don't build rockets to go to Mars it's a very simple job we do here talking about winning football games Jim Ursay on the new head coach. Yes, he is fully experienced enough. Yes, he is fully capable. He is fully experienced. You know how much NFL coaching experience he has at any position, any level, or anything? None. Absolutely zilch. Oh, beautiful. Ursay then goes on to say he's glad Saturday doesn't have NFL coaching experience because those guys have fear and often lean on analytics. He doesn't have that fear. We were very fortunate he was available. He has tons of experience. Wait, we're very fortunate this guy who's never coached was available while he was sitting at the panel at ESPN. Yeah, luckily luckily no one was trying to steal him away. Yeah, no one. we were very fortunate no one got to him first. Oh, he has tons of experience. He knows the game inside and out. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, Ursay on passing over the entire coaching staff for Saturday because he's a better fit. He's the best man for the job. There's no question about it in my mind, and I've been around a long time. Oh man, there's one more that I really want to say. I got a comment on that. Like he's a he's a better fit than all these coaches that deal with these players every single day. Know how we run things. Like Jeff Jeff Saturday doesn't know how it's. I mean, okay, I guess he's been a consultant for the Colts. I'm sure he's around practice every now and then or something. He doesn't know how things run like on a day to day basis. Yeah, here here's here's the just absolute another gem. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. Absolutely, you do, Mr. Ursay. Absolutely. Keep building it your way, Mr. Ursay. Keep building it. Let's go, let's go, Colts. Um, just keep keep building them up, Ursay. Playing in the Kroger's field house. And uh, on the worst turf in the world. Um, anyway, just like comical, it, it is. It is lethargic as a, a Titans fan who wa- who watched the Colts just run us into the ground for the first fifteen years of my life. Like legitimately, the first fifteen years of my life, I think we beat them like twice. We got to try a few Manning. more times than that, but not many. We got to see Peyton Manning and then Andrew Luck. Yeah, it was quite the. Uh... I mean, that's just tough. <laughs> tough it is. Draw. It is a true like, and I'm not. Even, I'm not having any fun at Col- like. I know. I know some great Colts fans, but as just a franchise, like, it is just. 
oh, it brings my heart just joy to see them as such a dumpster fire. Oh, it's so amazing. Chris Ballard, their GM, who's heralded, like always like widely heralded as being a great GM, although he's done absolutely nothing. He was and he had some terrible, like terrible answers about building the roster. It was bad. If I watch the Titans, if the Titans did that, got up on the stage and introduced an interim and our owner spewed off all of that nonsense, it would make me sick. Like I, I, it would be de- like depressing. Like it, it's bad. They're not in a, they're in a bad spot and the roster's bad. They're bad. The whole situation's bad. Um, anyway, it's, I'll sleep like a baby tonight knowing that the Colts are in absolute disarray. Yeah. AFC South not a look into I, like I think the Titans could go they like they might could go eight and nine and win this division. Eight and nine probably puts them in a pretty dang good spot because everyone else already has at least six losses. I think maybe the Colts are three, five, and one, but like yeah, I think the Colts have five, twice. but it's like yeah, that doesn't count. Like they're going to lose a lot more. Yeah, they are actually in tank mode. Like the Jags think, are really up and down, but do, yeah, do you think they're going to only lose three more games? Probably not. Probably going to. The, the Titans have like broken Jim Ursay's brain, even to the point where, you because you know what Saturday kind of reminds me of, like he is, like Mike Vrabel is so inside Jim Ursay's head, where he's like, I need a form, like just because Vrabel, I need a former dude, player. Okay, let's just get real for a second, Vrabel. Just, just cut dude just carries himself well you know handsome guy just chiseled chiseled jaw could still just knock the snot out of anybody you know you want a guy like that roaming your sideline right yeah well i'll give it to i saw jeff saturday you know once a center but has lost a lot like looks great it, you know got a got a sweet little beard got a sweet little chin strap going got the um, gel in his hair he's a former nfl player former NFL tough guy. Uh, he's like, you know what? We need one of the Mike Rabel types. Who do we have? That's a franchise legend. He's like, well, Jeff Saturday, he's our answer. And people like, like Jeff Saturday, but yeah. it's different liking someone than thinking they're the right person for like, that's literally it's, it's, it's way different. I understand, but it's, it's like along the lines. It's like almost just as ridiculous as like me getting a call from like Brentwood high school right now and be like, no, like you want to coach, you want to be our head football coach like right now. Cause that's even how Jeff Saturday. He's like, yeah, I had no idea this was going to happen. He's yeah. He said, I was shocked. I was <laughs> like, shocked. Yeah. Which, that, yeah you, you it's like the be. same. It's like the same call. It'd be like, Hey Seth, you want to be our head football coach of our program? Like right now. And be like, I don't really know what qualifies me for it, but like, if you're calling me up, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So um, just, just just beautiful. Just beautiful. Makes my heart warm. Makes my heart warm. The AFC South just runs through Nashville now by all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's probably uh probably probably about uh I mean, I don't really need to end anything on a better note than that. I mean, that's about as sweet as we can go out. Uh, yeah, no, and watch for yourselves. So I wish we could clip the whole forty five minute press conference. No, yeah, definitely. Do we honestly this episode, man, it was packed. I loved it. This weekend had so much to, so much to go over. Obviously, just a juicy just weekend. Going. Yeah, it's gonna get gonna get even juicier. 
especially I need some crazy uh, playoff scenarios to come up. I just no, need, you I don't, don't know. Don't want, you don't want crazy right now. Wait. No, I don't, but you want, also, you want like, like sane, like you want the most, yeah, you, you don't want crazy. You want, and that's crazy to think that Tennessee doesn't want crazy. Tennessee wants like, all right. Tennessee's in the just, safest spot right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, and if, if everything just kind of plays out like it should, we're in a good spot. So, yeah. Personally, like if Tennessee was not in the mid, I'm just a fan of chaos in general. But yeah, you're I right. You're, you're correct. Ten- Tennessee is in the safest spot as long as they win out. Because so, like it's not going to work for one of these other teams. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. No, chaos is good outside of Tennessee. I'm yeah. just saying overall you want – you don't want anything too good, too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening. It's been Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Be sure to check them out, sixpackcoverage.com, at sixpackcoverage on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out. Website is paydirtsports.blog. Twitter at paydirt underscore sports. Instagram at paydirt sports. Guys, thanks again for listening. We will see y'all next week. Paydirt out.